Hey friends, guess what? I've got a new book coming out from Llewellyn Worldwide on March 8th called Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life. This book is based on something I call genealogical regressions because sometimes when I'm working with clients, I go into their past lives and I realize this is not the source event of the challenge. We need to send light and love to ancestors in order to make our lives the wonderful places that we want to be. So I hope you'll check out my new book and stay tuned for class announcements, book signings, and more as March gets closer. Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life coming March 8th from Llewellyn Worldwide. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. Hey, my friend, how's it going? I hope you're having an amazing week. I'll tell you one thing. We've got one of the most interesting guests on the show today. My guest, Carrie Connor, is going to talk to me about cannabis. And while I certainly hope you're going to stick around and listen to this entire interview, I want to make it perfectly clear up front that although I enjoyed speaking to her about cannabis, I have not turned over a new leaf. I have always wanted to use that wah, wah, wah sound effect. I really wanted one that went ba-da-botch, you know, like a drum shot. Anyway, oh well, I love Anchor. Um, but yeah, I don't partake in cannabis personally, but I do believe that people should be able to. I am a control freak. And I like to go into altered states using my mind and using meditation without any substances myself. But I think you're going to find her story so amazing. I mean, just the things that people go through in their lives and the paths that they forge just to try to get by is really, really inspiring and interesting. So settle in and let's check it out. My interview with Carrie Connor. Hey, friends. I hope you're doing great. So, welcome to another episode of Healing Arts. I've got another amazing guest on the show today. It's Carrie Connor. Let me read you her bio. 
Carrie Connor, she's from Chicagoland, one of my favorite areas. She's the high priestess of the Gathering Grove. She's been practicing her craft for 25 years. She's the author of four books and her writing has appeared in The Blessed Bee, Sage Woman, Pan Gaia, and New Witch. She runs The Pagan Review, which is a website that provides reviews of pagan products and you can visit her online at Carrie, that's K-E-R-R-I, Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R.com. She is the author of this unbelievable book, Wake, Bake, and Meditate. And so we're going to talk to her about that today and her other book, Spells for Tough Times, which I think we all need right now. Carrie, welcome to the show. Hi, nice hey. to be here. Yes, so I wanted to start off... Um, just by your book is about how we can use cannabis spiritually and you've got some amazing recipes and things like that in the book as well so i just wanted to start off my experience with this topic is actually kind of limited i did smoke pot once and nothing happened and then i smoked it a second time and something like very paranoid happened and i just never did it again but i have to say up front I, I like your approach to the topic because, you know, you point out, hello, it's a plant. And I've always believed that this plant needs to be legalized. I mean, just get the criminality out of it. And just to tell you, I'm in, in Texas. So, you know, over the holidays, um, the only people I see these days are my immediate family. But I went out, I go out um, really early mor mornings on Sundays because there's nobody at the store. And so I took a bottle of wine because I was going to have it for the holiday meal. And I was told at the register that in our state, believe it or not, we still can't even buy a bottle of wine before noon on Sunday. And so I think all of this needs to be deregulated. And, you know, I know I'm going to preach to the choir here. I'm, I'm just putting it all out up front about my, my opinions because I don't think I've ever had a chance to really talk about this before. But, you know, in Texas, and I'm sure this happens all over the country, there was a pretty well-known case of a family. Their daughter had epilepsy. They needed the cannabis so that she could survive and thrive. And they were saying, look, if we don't get something done here, we're gonna have to leave. And I think that's why a lot of people have made the exodus and this just needs to be legalized. So I wanna welcome you to the show. I think your book is fantastic for the people who need it. It's got a lot of information. And so what do you say about our, why we need to legalize this for people? It never should have been made illegal to begin with. I don't. People do not understand why it was made illegal. It was not made illegal because it's dangerous. It was not made illegal because they wanted to regulate it. It was made illegal because it was a way to control blacks. It was a way to control Hispanics. And there was a number of very rich families in the United States of America that were highly invested in petroleum. And hemp was a, uh, um, what do you call it, I can't think of it, an adversary basically to petroleum because you can use hemp in place of petroleum and lots of things, mainly plastic is a really good one. So anything that is made out of plastic is usually now made from petroleum, but it could have been made from hemp all of these years. Rich people, the, the Hearst family, um, who else was there? I can't even think of all of their names right now, but that, that you know, the, the Randolph Hearst, that big conglomerate, the DuPonts, um, they didn't want hemp to be legalized. So they talked to their buddies in government and they're like, you know, 
this will help us, this will help you, you can control this, you can control that, and boom, cannabis was made illegal. It was done for money and control. It was nothing to do with the plant itself. And that is what we, I mean, people are starting to understand that now. And I, I think, I really think we're going to see a change this year. I think, I think cannabis is going to be fully legalized federally this year. The states might still have their say, but I think federally it's going to be legalized. So in the book, you talk about why we should never use the word marijuana again. So can you explain that, please? The word marijuana did not exist until the 1930s when Henry J. Ainslinger, who was the person in the government who started all of the propaganda against cannabis, he came up with the name marijuana, and it's, it's a racist slur to make it, it it's, it's a Hispanic racist slur towards cannabis. It was designed to make it look bad as from Mary Jane, marijuana, and they used that as a way to differentiate it from hemp and cannabis. When they came out with the Marijuana Tax Act, Congress did not know what marijuana was. They didn't know it was cannabis. They didn't know it was hemp because they called it marijuana. <laughs> so they specifically lied in the paperwork using this made up name that they associated with Hispanics to make it look bad to make it illegal. And then once Congress realized what they did, they were like, oh, we just made hemp, hemp? That stuff that our country was founded on, which people don't realize that either. The, the Roanoke was sent over here to start growing hemp. Jamestown, they were sent over here to grow hemp. And you know why they were sent here to grow hemp? Why? Because Russia had all the hemp and England didn't want to keep buying all of their hemp from Russia. So they mm. needed more places to grow hemp. So they started sending people to America to grow hemp. They wow. needed it for their sails. They needed it for their ropes. They needed it for their Navy. Because the material is very strong for like yes. ropes and twines. And yes, things, correct? very much so. And it wasn't until uh, the invention of the cotton gin that hemp started having an issue in America <laughs> because once the cotton gin came along you got to realize you have you've got the people up in the north are the ones who are growing more hemp people in the south are growing more cotton they've mm -hmm. suddenly got the cotton gin and they're losing slaves but they have the cotton gin Cotton gin could do the work of a lot of slaves. There was no machine like that at the time to do that work with hemp. That didn't come around to almost, I think it's like 100 years later, until somebody actually created the machine that could separate the fibers and everything. So much of our history. <laughs> Girl, this is amazing. Really connected to hemp. And we lie and we say, Mexicans brought it and shame on them and wow. people believe it. Mexicans never were the ones to bring it here. We shipped it over from England to grow it. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only person who is shocked to hear this. This is unbelievable. 
it and they they never teach you any of this in in school it is sad you were taught in school that columbus came over with three ships and then everything was wonderful <laughs> they, they sat down eventually we had pilgrims come over they sat down with the indians and we had this great feast that's what they teach them in school at least they did when i was a kid they're getting better now but they're still not saying country was started because people wanted hemp wow I was into hemp seeds. Um, they had this, one of the stores here had hemp seeds and I was buying them and chomping them down. I was kind of craving them. I think it's because of all the nutrients and vitamins mm -hmm. in the hemp seeds. And then once they started kind of pushing, um, you know, getting rid of all this, let's just say it wasn't that long ago, they just pulled the hemp seeds off the shelves like they were evil. And I thought that was really disappointing. And I'm hoping, I hope you're right. I hope they just get busy and just say, <laughs> I mean, it's a product, it could be taxed. And if it's actually helping people with less um, toxins, then why not? We have government research facilities set up at different colleges and universities throughout the country. We have, did you know that there are, I think it's 12, it's 10 or 12 people in the United States of America that the United States of America must provide cannabis for? Wow. Yeah, because it goes back to when they were messing around and making it, putting it on that schedule to say, oh, no, 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 naughty stuff. And there were people who needed it. And they sued the government and the government has a university, I believe it's in Kentucky, where they have to grow cannabis that they provide for those few patients that still have their contract with the government saying the government has to provide them with it. But they don't advertise stuff like that. They don't want you to know. Right. The government knows it's not bad. They wouldn't be growing it and giving it to people if they thought it was bad. <laughs> yeah. It's a plant. Hello. Yeah. They have all the research. They hold their own patents. The government holds their own patents for certain strains. They know. There it is. They know. The problem is, too, is once it's approved, then we're going to have to have more FDA regulations. Right. And that's good and bad. It, it, it's, it is good and bad. You know, we had last, I was gonna say last year, but in 2019, we had all those people who were buying illegal vapes, bootleg vapes, and some of them died yes. because of it. Yes. Yeah. So there, in those kind of situations, FDA is a good thing. But at right. the same time, it's going to make other things more difficult. Absolutely. So in the book, um, what I thought was so cool is you've got a series of beautiful, um, like a progressive set of meditations that the reader can go through that are getting longer and just into different deepening in terms of coming into like an energetic rapport with the cannabis as part of the spiritual practice. One thing I liked about that concept, Carrie, is this idea that, you know, it would be good for all of us to bless not only cannabis, but like any foods that we're ingesting, just bless it, become one with it for the benefit of our health. And I just thought the meditations were really beautiful. So speak to the meditation process in the book and, and what readers can expect from that. Um, a lot of what this book and I, I wrote this book first and while I was writing this book I decided I had to write book two but, but but the first book 
really talks about getting into a very deep meditative state, which, and hitting what we call a peak experience. Um, a peak experience, it, it basically, it's hard to describe, but you know when you're there. It's, you are connected to everything else around you. You, When I get hit a peak experience, I, I no longer feel that I am in my body, that my body is basically a part of the entire universe. And you kind of got this, you know, it's a good floaty feeling, everything to it, but you, you feel more that you are just consciousness. You do not feel your actual physical body. You feel your mind, you feel your heart, you feel emotion, but the whole body aspect is kind of gone. And when the body aspect is gone, it allows you to focus the brain even more because it's not focusing on the body at all. It's focusing on whatever else you want it to focus on. So this allows you to get into a very deep state and it allows you to see yourself differently. For me, it, it, it's very much about how it brings down the walls and it allows you to see yourself in an objective light. Not even just how other people see you because they have their own little, you know, jaded ways of looking at other people or they have their own preferences at how they look at other people. So it's not even like you're looking at yourself through the eyes of somebody else. You're looking at yourself through the eyes of the universe, through the cosmos, through your deities, whatever it is that you work with. And it allows you to make changes. It allows you to be a better person. It allows you to re-look at your life. You know, am I doing what I should be doing with my life? It allows you to look at your priorities. It allows you to look at all kinds of different things in a much highly objective view. How do you think the cannabis meditation differs from just straight up meditation? I, for me, I cannot meditate really without it. Not near as deep, not near, near as deep. Um, I'm sure that if I was a child today, I would be told I have ADHD. <laughs> Thank you. I I'm sure I would be. Hello. <laughs> They'd probably throw a few other things in there too, but yes. I'm sure they would say I have ADHD. And for years, you know, I'm like, oh, yes, you have to learn to meditate. I've been, I have been in this sort of a practice for 35 years now. And for a lot of that, meditation was a punishment. <laughs> it, it, it was. And it's like I would look at it almost as a punishment. It wasn't fun because I couldn't do what they said I should be able to do. Right. You know, like, oh, just close your mind off to this. And you know what? Meditating is not closing your mind off. But for so many years, they kept telling me, just close your mind off to everything. No meditating is highly focusing on something if they had told me that i would be like that i can do <laughs> but, but they told me to shut my mind off and my mind don't ever shut off ever ever that, ever yes. ever you're right i can That's smoke weed and i can kick back and my mind won't shut off because i don't need it to shut off 
but it will focus where it needs to and it will stay there for a long time. The other thing with weed, what I love is time is different. It's very different. I can go into a peak experience, have a meditation. Sure, I've been there for two or three hours and come out and it's been 20 minutes. Right. It is different when, and it's like, you're like, how could that be? How could all of that that just happened only been 20 minutes? It's, it's remarkable. Wow. I love it. I do. I love it. And I was a kid who grew up being told if you smoke weed, you will die. It will kill you. It will kill you. My brother went to rehab for a year and a half. My parents were very strict about it. I was told it would kill you. And I am now a professional stoner. All right. And you used it initially, though, for pain relief, correct? I I went through years of with I have several autoimmune diseases, one of which is ankylosing spondylitis, which causes your back, your your, your actual backbone to fuse together. Mm. And as it fuses, it builds up these like calcifications and fuses and you have to keep cracking all of those. Oh, my gosh. To stop it. So it's, it's painful and it hurts a lot of the time. And I spent 13 years on opiates. Oh my gosh. 13 years. And when I say on opiates, I mean, they had me on, I was taking, I had a hundred milligram fentanyl patch that I had to change every three days. And that was on me for three years alone. (laughs) This, wow. you weren't supposed to do this stuff, but we know that now. We didn't know this back then, right. supposedly. Wow. So I was on fentanyl. I was on oxycodone. I was on oxycontin. I was on tramadol. I was on gabapentin. I was, I was on like seven different medications at once and I still hurt. And I, I was still in constant pain. And I I look back now and those are like, those are what I call my missing years because I don't remember them because the drugs they had me on, they they did, they ruined me. I couldn't walk. I was, I used a walker. I was, I was in my thirties and I had a walker. So I went through all of this and my doctor was giving, I was taking Humira injections, which they believe eventually led to my cancer. And thousand dollars a month on drugs that were killing me and i finally said i've had enough of this and i bought a groupon for acupuncture (laughs) yay groupon and i I went to acupuncture and in three sessions she got rid of the hot flashes that i had been having for seven years and i started feeling better and so I started going and I was going three times a week and then they cut you down to two times and then once they have this whole schedule that they go through. And in three months, I walked back into my art, my rheumatologist or what are they? Yeah, he's a rheumatologist into his office. Right. And when it was my turn for my appointment, I walked in there and he's like, so how are you? And I said, well, I'm fine and you're fired. And I quit every medication I had been on cold turkey, which don't do that. That was a bad thing. I didn't know that at the time. Um, I got very, very sick and I didn't realize, oh, that was detox. 
I thought I had the flu. No, it, I went through about three weeks of severe detox because I just decided to stop taking all these opiates all of a sudden. <laughs> and I got real sick. And then I got cancer. Mm. And that was some issues. But after the cancer, I had a, um, a double um, breast reduction. Because before the cancer, I had been a G. And I wanted them to, I didn't want them to do a lumpectomy and fix it. I wanted to be smaller altogether. They wouldn't do a double mastectomy because I did not have a bracketing. They test you for that. So they did say, okay, well, your back issues are bad enough. We can get you through on having a bilateral breast reduction after the mastectomy. So I did that. The day after I came home from the hospital, the infection started. That was on September 12th. By October 6th, I had three holes in my chest. By November 1st, I was hospitalized for 11 days with a, I was septic. And they had no idea what was causing the infections. They couldn't identify the bacterias. Um, they, I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die with my, my, and it exploded. It literally exploded several times. And there was no way I was going to let them put me back on opiates. And by this time, they knew opiates were bad. So they weren't going to give me enough to take care of the pain anyway. So I'm, I need something else. And, you know, I said, it's time for me to try some weed. I hadn't smoked it in years. And I eventually turned around and said, you know, I'm going to get my card. I, I started smoking weed before the card, you know, wasn't legal. I didn't care at that point. I'm like, God, as far as I was concerned, I was going to die. So it didn't really matter if they caught me with weed. That's <laughs> but then I got my medical card and I have become one of the biggest supporters of weed there is. I fully believed, I mean, it saved my life. It okay. saved my life. Wow. Carrie, my God. God bless you. Yeah. And then I started writing about it. <laughs> I'm glad you did. Because I mean, you know, you're not the only person, obviously, as you know, that's struggling out here. And yeah, comparatively yeah. speaking, uh, compared to what you've been through, this is a plant. Well, and, 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 and yeah, it's a plant and it can help so many people, so many people. But one of the problems that I've really noticed too, is people don't know how to use it. Right. They don't know how to use it. And um, I had some, some friends of mine who, you know, they tried a little bit and then they decided they were going to go to the dispensary. And the dispensary sold them a 76 milligram vape. So what they had used before was a couple of hits off of about 18% THC on flour. And the dispensary sold them a vape that was 76% THC. And they didn't know that when they took that vape, they were going to get real sick off of it because their bodies were nowhere near ready for 76% THC. And she ended up in the emergency room that night. And then they turn around and they tell you that all these people are in the emergency room because of you know, they, they legalized it. And now all these people in the emergency room, no, all these people are in the emergency room because nobody taught them how 
to use it. That's why they're in the emergency room. Right. They're high. They're really high and they're freaking out, but they're not sick. They're high. Nobody taught them what to do. You do not start off with a big, massive amount of a vape. It will knock you out. It will make you sick. It will make your heart race. It'll give you massive paranoia. You don't start off like that. And the fact that we have dispensaries that will sell it to people without that, that that's a problem too. Yes. I think eventually we're going to have to do, we have to do something because people should be able to use it, but they have to be able to learn how to use it responsibly. So yeah, yeah. I teach my friends, I teach my friends how to smoke weed. All right. Yeah. And you taught the readers in the book as well. You're talking about what to do if you do happen to take too much and here's the symptoms that you might have. Yeah. And there's, there are that. easier ways that you can, you know, bring yourself down without having to go to a hospital. Right. I think um, this is also really in the popular culture. I, I have to bring this up because I was laughing earlier about this, not about what you were saying, but um, there's this new show, Mr. Mayor with Ted Danson. I don't know if anyone saw okay. it. But, I haven't watched that yet, but okay. He's the mayor. He has to go around in California to a dispensary and they gave, gave him a handful of gummy bears and he just gobbled them down. And then he spends the rest of the day like punching out mascots and just acting like giggling and falling on the ground and stuff. And of course the media is there for all that. So I think that the popular culture also has made people think, my God, I don't want to be active like that. Exactly. That is funny. But it was very funny <laughs> if anyone goes and sees it. I, don't, I can't remember what station it was on, but it, it made me laugh out loud. And Lord knows we need that in the society. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. So I anyway. think it just, it, a lot of people have tried it. It didn't do anything for me. Okay. Okay. You tried it once when you didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> I don't expect it to do something for somebody when they don't know what they're doing. Right. Because you have to know so much more about, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to smoke this. For some people, that won't do anything. It depends on what the THC level is. It depends on what the person's metabolism is. It depends on all kinds of different things. My daughter, if she takes half a gummy, she's out out like a light. We're talking five milligrams will knock her out because she's not used to it. Right. She doesn't smoke or anything else. She just occasionally, she will take a gummy to help her sleep, but she can't even take a full gummy. She has to take a half a gummy. Right. If you gave me a pack of gummies because my body is so used to it now, I could eat an entire back pack of gummies and it wouldn't phase me. But when I first started, oh yeah, gummies were fun. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what they were finding out. It's like you said, a lot of people were going to the hospital because the people who were running these businesses that the government was really involved with didn't know what the heck they were doing. In terms yeah, and of what we people. have, the, the, the cannabis that you go and buy in the dispensary is not the same necessary as what people were smoking even five years ago. Right. They have really worked on how they can get as much THC if it's a THC heavy strain. And those are what people usually buy first, especially if you're a medical patient and you need THC. That's what we get first is we usually go for the higher. But if you're just starting off, I, I no, <laughs> it's 
slow and low. It's what I say in the book over and over, slow and low. You want to start off as slow as you can and as low as you can, because not only do you not have episodes where you end up in the hospital because you're paranoid and freaking out, but it gives you a chance to really get to see how it affects you. When you start off slow, you get little things happen first. So you can watch those things and you can start seeing how, okay, if I add more and you'll see that your, your body will almost go like through a, a process where it gives you signals of this is what's happening now. And okay, if you smoke a little bit more, you're going to get me to this point. And if you smoke a little bit more, you get me to this point. So you are training your mind to know what it takes for your body and your mind THC wise to get where you want to go. When you just start off with 76%, no, you have just ruined your session. You have upset yourself. You're freaking out. That's not how you do it. That does not create the connection that you need. It destroys it. So you have to start low and slow to find out what you need and to really make that connection with your body. Absolutely. And you know, the other great thing you have in the book are all your neat recipes, like Buddha balls and other things. So I know it must be hard to pick one, but what is your favorite recipe from the book that you like to make a lot? Um, the Buddha balls are good, but they're really addictive. I just thought they're so cute. You don't want to make a lot of Buddha balls if you're not going to be sharing them. <laughs> <laughs> then you're going to have your gummy problem. You're just going to eat them all up. Um, I really like the baked brie. Oh, yeah. I, I, it's, it's easier to make than it seems like it would be. I mean, you literally, you just brush a can of butter on phyllo dough and pop it down and wrap it up and stick it in the oven. It's easy. And it, you get some of that can of butter taste in it, but it's not overpowering, but mm -hmm. it gives it more of a, like a savory taste to it. And I, I love that on some Ritz crackers. I really do. It's, it's one of my favorites. Then I do, I like, um, I like adding a little bit of THC to uh, a drink every now and then. I, one of the things that I've noticed since I, the more weed I smoke, the less alcohol I drink. Yeah. It's, and I've, I've known other people who say that too. I very seldom drink, but it's often nice to, when you just kind of mix the two together, it, it, it relaxes you in a little bit different way. And if I pull a muscle in my back, that's the perfect remedy for me now is I will add maybe, you know, uh, um, I take my dropper and I have, it, it's, it's ever clear mixed with, it's infused Everclear. You, you take that and you just add it to your regular drink. You barely taste it at all, but it adds such an extra relaxing effect that when I pull, and I pull muscles a lot because of my issues, that it, it will take care of that problem and release that muscle in a matter of minutes. Whereas before it'd be like, oh, I got to go to the doctor. And then you get to the doctor and the doctor's like, all right, we're going to give you this person. No. I went through that for years and now I can fall down the stairs, pull a muscle, whatever, and just walk into my room and take my dropper and treat myself. And it works. Right. I know what my body needs to heal now. And what I was giving it for years was not what 
it needed. Absolutely. Who <laughs> was not happy with me. And that's the other thing too, is like I started smoking weed, I lost 50 pounds. Right. I lost 50 pounds smoking weed. Wow. Because I became so much more in tune to my own body. It wasn't, you know, I mean, yeah, I had the munchies. You get over those eventually, but I mean, I had the munchies, oh, <laughs> but I still lost 50 pounds with the munchies because I learned how to communicate with my own body and listen to it better. Wow. Amazing. Now I want to talk about for a minute, a book that came out in 2012 called Spells for Tough Times, because obviously I think people need them. And I read the book. I thought it was really cool because, um, I'm a hypnotherapist and I don't want to dumb down reality, but I've always said that the only thing people want in life is love, health, and money. And that's exactly the approach you say. That's like the first line of the book, you go, you know, love or money. I mean, you know, it's yeah, really that's what all the, when I wrote that book, that's like what all the spell books were about. Prosperity, money, love, romance, sex. Um, for a long time, I realized that I was not using my spirituality and my practice to deal with those kind of things. When we have crap goes wrong in your life, you tend to set that aside and you deal with the crap. Well, we shouldn't do that. We need to use our spirituality to deal with the crap. And when I wrote that book, I mean, a lot of the stuff that's in that, it's first hand experience. Um, so I've gone through a, a lot of the things that are in there and I know how easy it is to just want to forget about it, to not deal with it. And it doesn't go away when we don't deal with it. So I wrote that one and it's kind of funny that you bring that up because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I have another, uh, wake, bake and meditate book. It's 420 cannabis. 420 meditations that'll be coming out in April. Um, I'm finishing up a book on CBD right now for Llewellyn. And yeah. then the one after that is going to be spells and rituals for a better future. Oh. So it's going to be kind of similar in a way to spells for tough times, but it's going to focus on what do you do after the bad crap happens? Because we've seen so much, happening right <laughs> and and people are at a loss how do you process this right you know i mean the things that are happening are things that we were taught would only ever happen in movies tom clancy books maybe this isn't supposed to be reality we're not really supposed to have pandemics that lock you in your house for a year we're not really supposed to have insurrections in the capital we're not supposed to have any of these things that happen. And what I think we are seeing is people can't accept that it's really happening. Right. And there's so much denial, so much denial. You know, it's, it's easier to deny it. Yeah, there's no insurrection in the Capitol. Everything's fine. I can just go about and drink my coffee and not worry about it. But I can't because I have seven kids and I have nine grandkids. So I need to know that it's safe for them. Right. Denial doesn't get you anywhere. 
So the next book is going to be about accepting what's happening on different issues and how you get past that and using spells and rituals to create a better future for yourself after things happen. That sounds really cool. And you're right about everything you've said. I, I wanted to say too, I lived in a house and the street address was 420. And I didn't understand what it meant until, you know, we go ding dong, hello. I just thought you might find it funny, which, you know, you're laughing. That's good. I was such a naive child, man. I, I knew nothing when I was a kid. I, the street I grew up on when I was a kid until I was five years old had grass growing up the middle of the road. And there was the only neighbors within like a five block radius were my relatives. <laughs> they were literally my relatives. So, I mean, I grew up in this little tiny sheltered place. And it's like you're talking about how you couldn't buy alcohol. The town I grew up in was a dry town. I think you can, I'm not even sure, but I think you can buy alcohol there now. But when I moved out, 20 years ago, you still couldn't buy alcohol there. And I think it changed, I thought maybe like five or six years ago. I didn't, first time I went to a grocery store in another town, I saw alcohol. I had no idea what it was. <laughs> I mean, that, I was sheltered. <laughs> You're like, what is this? Hmm. I was very, very sheltered as a kid. And it, it just, it's kind of funny now because all those terrible things they thought they were protecting me against. Yes. Well, it it's, is the, it's it is. really, it's the life I've chosen. I mean, my, they made me go to Sunday school. They made me go to church and I am a hippie pagan stoner. <laughs> All right. And I told my dad, you should have known. You always should have known that that little girl who used to run through the backyard naked in the dandelions was never going to sit still in church. That was on him. Right. <laughs> there you go. There's personal responsibility for you. You know? <laughs> responsibility. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> so you started a Facebook group for the Wake, Bake, and Meditate? Yes. Where people can come and Yes, they can come in. They have questions. They can ask questions. Um, eventually, uh, next, I, keep, I want to say next year. It's this year now. Later on, once I get um, the CBD book done, I'm going to actually start doing more like live meditations in mm. the group so people can come in and we'll actually meditate together and that'll be fun. That'll be great. Tell us um, all of these websites and places where people can connect with you. The best way is to go to my, my website, thecarrieconnor.com, and it has all of the links to my Facebook, uh, Instagram. You know what? I'm on TikTok now and I don't think that's on there. So I'll have to actually add that to it. Uh, but it's got all the goodies on there. I have an Etsy site where you can get autographed copies of the book. Uh, and we also sell, other, I have Wake Bacon Meditate merchandise. We have coffee cups, water bottles, t-shirts, all kinds. Because it's cool. I mean, Wake Bacon Meditate. <laughs> I mean, this is this is a really cool way to, to live your life. It really is. For years, you know, I'm, I'm 50 years old and I finally realized what I'm going to do with my life. Yay. And um, I've been running the Gathering Grove for 17 years. And we are going to take it into a full nonprofit finally. And yeah, I'm, it's going to be a spiritual retreat that I've been working on. And that's what it's going to be. So that's that my life so now. Wonderful. That is amazing. 
Carrie, you are amazing and you've had an incredible journey and I'm just glad you're putting this out there because I do, you know, like I said, I have a very limited experience with the topic, but I do think, you know, if you are interested in this or if you live in a state where this is legalized and you're just going, what am I going to do? I mean, Carrie is the person who you need to talk to about this because she knows what she's talking about. With, with the medical, we have had so many new people start using it and those people get told you got to be careful and go slow and everything but we don't realize how many other people when we went legalized in illinois we ran out of weed if we hadn't run out of weed our state would have had the biggest one day sales but we ran out of weed not all of those people have smoked before Right. And they wanted to try it. We have so many new people wanting to try it. And I don't want to see people having bad experiences with it and thinking, right. oh, no, it's terrible. And it's because they didn't do it right because nobody told them how to. Exactly. We need to teach people how to do it right so they can understand and enjoy the benefits and not think it's a bad thing. Exactly. I think I should go get Congress high. <laughs> <laughs> That will be for our next it right about now. Yay. <laughs> All right, Carrie, you're amazing. Friends, I hope you have enjoyed this. This has been a very eye-opening and illuminating discussion, and we'll have more of those next time on Healing Arts. Thank you. We'll be right back. Hey, my friend, have you known your pet in a past life? Well, believe it or not, a lot of people have. You can check out case histories and find out more about your connections to your little fuzzballs in my book, Past Lives with Pets. Check it out and find out today. Welcome back to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Care. You can visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. Believe it or not, we are already at episode 10 of season four, which means this season is over. Four seasons of healing arts since last May, I think. And so there's tons of Llewellyn authors. And so coming up in season five, we'll have more author interviews. Um, and then I'll start branching off into some who are not with Llewellyn necessarily, but all very, very interesting people. And then I'm going to put out a bonus episode coming up in a couple days with another amazing person from Llewellyn, but that's a surprise, so you'll have to stay tuned. So anyway, I just appreciate you sticking with me, um, going on this journey with me through all the weirdness that we have in the world. We are going to continue our friendship and our exploration as we just meet new people in this new year, and just know that whatever's going on in your world, I hope that you're doing okay. I hope you are happy and safe and that everything is working out the way you want. 
And I will look forward to speaking to you again on the next episode of Healing Arts. Hey friends, it's Dr. Shelley. If you are experiencing anxiety, depression, or trauma, check out my book, Meet Your Karma, The Healing Power of Past Life Memories. This is a book filled with amazing case histories of clients who have successfully healed their anxiety and trauma, and it has a lot of guided journeys in it designed to help you get through these challenging times. Click on my website at pastlifelady.com, follow the book links, and check out Meet Your Karma, The Healing Power of Past Life Memories today.